<clears throat> so how does the renunciation thread work with the tunis thread that we're exploring? And if we want any skill with self and other, um, we do well to practice letting go of tunis, learning how to um, put it down. As we know, tunis itself is an inherently soul-making. The making of self and other is often, for us with an untrained mind or any compelling habits, is problematic. Right? So tunis itself isn't an inherent value here. Right? So internally, self makes a two with the inner critic. It's not usually soul-making, right? Externally, we're compelled, we're making two, we see someone in the corridor and we're kind of busy with something. It's not inherently soul-making. So our practice of renunciation is learning how to let two-ness soften, fade, cease at times. <clears throat> so, how? Well, all the things that Rob spoke about in the meditation instructions we can practice. And I want to add another piece from the tradition of this beautiful inheritance. It was lovely when Rob was speaking this morning. I was with that beauty of the tradition, of the brilliance of the Buddha pointing towards renunciation and letting go. And the kind of, ah, oh, yeah, it's good. It's a good teaching, isn't it? <laughs> it's a really good teaching. So one piece that um, you hear quoted often, actually, in the teachings is this three words of seclusion, dispassion, and cessation. And seclusion here can be sometimes spoken about of seclusion of the senses, so not letting our senses keep running out, our sense contact keep running out. We seclude and guard the senses. More, I would say, it's a seclusion such that we can have our own embodied chitta without being compelled to make an other to confirm my existence, to reflect me, to remind me I'm here. Right? So sometimes that compulsion to make other, to see other and get busy with it. As Rob was speaking about this morning, there can sometimes be the lack of nourishment under that, the sense of lack. So as we practice seclusion, not looking at everything that goes by, not picking up every thought that presents itself to consciousness, as we do that, we come back to our own embodiment and let this become the resonant field for our, emo our energy body that starts to be able to resonate with itself, right? Ah, yeah. Starts to resonate with itself. And in that practice, we will come across <coughs> dukkha. At times, the dukkha of the old stuck resonances, let's say, in the heart, 
in the belly, the old places that haven't been resonated with yet, have been made other and exiled in our own psyche. And as we resonate and learn to resonate with our own embodiment, with that seclusion, we soften, we widen, there's healing, and something can release. So with the Tunis practice today that I began the thread yesterday, with your friend outside, whoever they are, a tree, a something vertical at this point, um, go again to this spot. Establish first your posture and your own vertical. If we want to know our own embodiment, we want our own vertical. So we're not constantly running out externally and internally to what presents itself. So establish your vertical. Second step, establish the energy body. Let it widen, soften, let it take shape. And then the third part today is, can I have my own embodiment seclusion? Seclusion here isn't shutting out the world. Seclusion isn't like, oh no, it's too much out there. It's not a hunkering down. Seclusion is something blessed in this sense. So the third step, can I be here in, with my own embodiment and in the world of multiple others? And the, the tree or whoever is your particular other, can I stand with my tree and as I open my eyes, can I not have to pick up with my gaze its particularness? not have to shape my attention and narrow my focus into that particular tree? Could I let my own body and my own embodiment, could I let this whole organism be the place that gazes upon the tree, not just my eyes, mm-hmm. not just privileging this ocular, higher, so-called sense? Can I let my belly and my heart and my hips and my back and my legs and my flesh, could that all become the organism of viewing, of seeing, of knowing? And then what we might find is the tree can still be there. I can still be here. Can I have my own embodiment and can I let my gaze soften? Can I let my gaze widen? So I'm not privileging the tree, but neither am I losing resonance. So last thing, typically what happens if the other isn't exciting to us or troubling, right? If they're not something that I can go after or if they're not something I have to sort of defend against. As a tree, for example, neither threatens me nor glorifies me. Typically, with an untrained mind, we lose our resonance when it's not, uh, when it's more neutral, when the contact is less um, charged and more neutral. Sometimes, what happens is, have you ever noticed you get bored? <laughs> we get bored. 
we stop resonating, we stop having our own embodiment. And we go, okay, what's the next other thing I can go do and have and sort out? So can I stay with the tree as the resonance becomes more neutral? Can I learn how to resonate more and more with my own seclusion and embodiment as it's less charged, as it's more spread, as it's softer, and really know those resonances that don't shout so loud while being in the world of multiple others. One thing. <laughs> yeah, vertical anybody. Third step today. Can I have my own resonance? Oh, then I was giving suggestions, ways you could practice that. Okay, so the specific thing was about. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things actually you, you see, okay, I'll try and say something about that. One of the things I really like about the Buddha, this Buddha's teaching, I don't know how often he says this, but it's like the way we get fixated by signs and particulars is one of the ways it's translated. And we get fixated by particulars, right? Um, so can I let the particulars soften? And one of the ways I can do that is with the sense of gazing. Right, the eyes, the ocular sense often like really wants to pick out the particulars and, and that's beautiful. Huh? Oh, okay. Should we try it now? Go for it. Okay. Let's try it now. Okay. It's my suggestion from my co-teacher. <laughs> Let's try it now. So take your seat, Linda, for a moment. Bring your, and all of us actually, just bring your posture into a, a vertical, establish the vertical. <laughs> So, and I find it really helpful to say to myself, have I got my feet? And then pause and linger. Have I got my hips? Have I got my chest, neck, head? Have I got my earth and sky? Breath. And then take a moment for the energy body, or at least lean into that intention, let it widen in front of you, behind you, above and below. And take however long it takes, this is a whole lifetime practice also, of, of um, establishing your own viveka, Seclusion, chitta viveka, kaya viveka, seclusion of body and mind, so the senses aren't running out compulsively. And when you're ready, you can have the other as the candle or something I would recommend quite neutral to start with, or the wall or the something outside or the backs of the people in front of you. And slowly come, see if your belly can be part of the viewing. 
your gills if you were still a fish, the pieces at the sides under your armpits where your gills would be. That that's part of your intelligence. Your back. Your hips. All of you. And opening the eyes. Letting the colors and the form of whatever it is come to you. Don't leave. And if it's quite neutral, can you stay? The thought, but it's not doing anything for me, is a good one. (laughs) It's not. Keep resonating with you. Oh, yeah, one thing that can help is relaxing the gaze of the eyes. A lot happens with the ways our eyes have been kind of wired neuronally as well. So letting them soften for most of us, softening the jaw, widening out, letting the skull widen. Typically, when we go from a focal gaze to a more field gaze, right, from focus, animal focus to a field gaze, we often lose resonance or we space out. Okay. Yes, enjoy the fruits of letting go and whatever other practice you're doing.